We're going to look at God's Word together now, so please um, do turn in a Bible with me to Matthew chapter 27, Matthew chapter 27, page 999, and as you do that, I'm just going to move a couple of things. This afternoon, we've been looking through Matthew's Gospel, and we've been thinking about the responses that people have to Jesus and to the cross. And so, as I read now, please do follow along from verse 50, and have in mind, how do a group of people respond to Jesus? How do a group of people respond to Jesus? Let's pick the story up at verse 50, Matthew chapter 27, page 999. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Now our focus this afternoon is going to be on that final verse. It's going to be on that final verse and what the centurion and the soldiers say about Jesus after he died. But before we do that, we're going to focus briefly on two things that happen as Jesus died. Two things. The first is to do with the temple and the second is to do with the tombs. Look back to verse 50 with me. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, in the Old Testament, the temple was really, really important. The temple was where you had to go in order to worship God. So you had to go. And there was a really, really special part of the temple called the Most Holy Place. And the reason why the most holy place was so special was because that was where God was present. But because that was where God dwelt, and because God is so holy and humans are not, well, that means you couldn't just walk in. You can't just walk into God's presence. In fact, only one person could go into the most holy place, the high priest. And this high priest could only go into the most holy place on one special day a year. And this high priest could only go into the most holy place on this one special day a year after he had performed a whole long list of sacrifices. Now, outside the most holy place was a curtain, a massive curtain, much bigger than this, much thicker than this. A massive curtain. And the whole point of the curtain was to remind people that they couldn't access God. They couldn't go through. They couldn't go in. Because you can't be with the holy God and live. The curtain was reminding the people, as they look at it all the time, looking at it, thinking, we have restricted access. 
we have restricted access. But look down at the passage again. What happened when Jesus died? What happened? Curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Curtain torn in two from top to bottom. What does this mean? Well, it means access. Not restricted access anymore to God, but access available. Three things I want us to quickly note from these verses, and the first is access available. What's the first one? Come on, it's it's sort of, you have to join in with this one. Access available. Before, barrier between God and humanity. But now it's gone. Access available. That's not the only strange thing that happens when Jesus died. Let's look down again where we left off. Let's look down again. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Now, when I was younger, about eight or so, I remember there was um, a little earthquake um, where I lived. Um, Say earthquake, that's generous. Earth tremor. Very, very small, right? But it was absolutely terrifying. I was eight, and it was in the middle of the night. And so I woke up. Everything was shaking. Ran into mum and dad's room, and they're absolutely terrified as well. Everything's rattling around. But just a small one. And that was terrifying. But imagine how you would feel as you are there at this earthquake. Matthew tells us about an earthquake that takes place. Matthew tells us about how some rocks split open. But it gets even weirder, even scarier. Do you notice what happens next? He tells us that the tombs just break open. And he tells us that there are some who had died who were raised to life. What on earth is going on here? I think the simple point that Matthew wants us to notice from these verses. The simple point that he wants us to understand is that because Jesus died on the cross, death defeated. Death itself has been defeated. Access available, first thing. Death defeated. Now, this doesn't mean that death no longer exists. But these events make it really, really clear to us that Jesus' death now means that it is possible for anyone to have life beyond the grave. We've looked at the temple, access available. We've looked at the tomb, death defeated. And now let's look at the last verse to see the response that the centurion and some of the soldiers make. Have a look at verse 54 with me. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. This centurion and the soldiers, they've been there, they've seen all that has happened, they've seen the darkness come over the land, they've seen and heard Jesus cry out to God, they've seen and felt the earthquake, and how do they respond? Surely he was the son of God.
Surely he was the son of God. That's how they respond. Now just think about how shocking this is. All the way throughout Jesus' life, the people who should have understood who he was, the Jewish people, largely rejected him and denied that he was the son of God. All the way throughout his trial and his crucifixion, the Jewish people were there mocking and insulting him because he said he was the son of God. And who sees it now? A group of non-Jewish people. A group of Roman soldiers. They are the ones who truly understand, the ones who truly recognize who Jesus is. This centurion and these soldiers, they are the ones who truly recognize, truly understand. And they have the model response. Surely this was the Son of God. And so what does it mean for them? Access available. Those soldiers could now access God. Even they, even the ones who nailed Jesus to the cross can have access to God, access available. It means that even they, the ones who put the spear through his side, can have life after death, death defeated. And it means salvation. Soldiers, salvation. Access available, that's the first thing to remember. Death defeated, that's the second. Soldiers, salvation. Now to help us with these um, verses a little bit more, um, I'm going to read out um, a poem written from the viewpoint of the centurion. The words will come up on the screen to help you follow along. Commander of 100 men, I am a Roman centurion. I was to guard the crucifixions of three criminals who'd received convictions. We nailed them to the wood they bled. Two rebels and God's son, some said. I was doubtful of this claim. Would a God-man on this cross be slain? But above the middle dying man's head, we hung a wooden sign that read, Jesus, the Nazarene King of the Jews, all in Jerusalem, could read the news. As we watched and heard his groaning, some of my men bet on his clothing. Most who were there took to mocking, but one of the convicts on heaven's door went knocking. Remember me when your kingdom you enter, he said to the crowned man, the one in the center. Shocking was that man's reply. He didn't think twice. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Who was he to offer such pardon to a robbing rebel hardened? Around midday, the sky grew dark. For three whole hours, light did depart. I grew terrified and worse, for it seemed a heaven's curse. And in the dark, on the second tree, the man cried, Why have you forsaken me? The hours passed in dark and gloom. In the air hung dread and doom. And at the last a cry rang out, It is finished, was the shout. From the middle man, so all could hear it. And with that cry, he gave up his spirit. Then began an awful shaking. The rocks were split and the tombs were breaking. Never had I seen such power as I witnessed in that hour. And surely in my frightened state I cried, surely this is God's Son who died. 
And yet I thought, in my own terror feeling, did his blood flow for my healing? Was the blood that I had spilt the payment for my sin and guilt? The spear that we put through his side, did that open for me a cleansing tide? Did I see that the true criminal was not this Jewish man at all? I was the convict there that day, that day the innocent one was slain. And yet as earth shook and heaven roared, and the lightings in the sky did soar, the dying man on the hill of the skull bore the wrath of God in full. His payment got accepted whole, and with his blood he ransoms my soul. And the amazing thing is it's not just for that soldier, not just for that centurion, not just for that group of soldiers, not just for those who were there, but for anybody. The wonderful news of Good Friday is that access is available. The wonderful news of Good Friday is that death has been defeated. The wonderful news of Good Friday is that absolutely anybody can receive salvation How? We'll look back at verse 54 with me once more. We receive this access, this life, this salvation by recognizing, by confessing, by acknowledging, just like the soldiers, surely he was and indeed is the Son of God. We're going to take 30 seconds or so just to discuss a couple of questions with the people around us. How do these verses help us to see why today is called Good Friday? And how do these verses encourage us to respond like the soldiers? Let's take 30 seconds to discuss that with the people around us.